very much. I'm extremely disappointed by the last commentator because it sounds to me that we are literally avoiding the issue. Listen to me. Can there be economic growth without development? The answer is yes. Can economic growth exacerbate inequality? The answer is yes. So when we talk about government in the context we are hearing, we are literally avoiding the issue. I give simple example that everybody gives. 1962, a gentleman left university, X, got a job in Standard Bank, worked his way all the way through to become the MD, for example. When he was there, he hired a helper and a gardener. For 30 years, these people worked for this person. This person grew all the way to become the MD. After 30 years, the helper left and the gardener left. Each had two kids, the banker and the helper and the gardener. After 30 years, he became the MD. The guy walked after 30 years with a pen as a present. That's the structural inequality we are talking about. We are not talking about the government. We are talking the global crisis we face today, which is structural and historical. In South African context, let's talk facts. Our gene coefficient has gotten worse. The 10 worst unequal countries in the world are six of them, Southern Africa, of course, six of them, is Botswana, of course, Namibia, we know South Africa has the worst. What happened? With all intention of the government, what happened is that the structure, structure of the economy were never meant to bring everybody up, no matter what we tell about the government. So what we need to go back is to ask a question. What do we do to correct it? Historically, look, if you look at the mining houses started in 1945, the, the shareholder made a fortune. They became billionaires. The miners, after 30 years, they went home to manage tuberculosis with nothing. So we need to understand that there is a historical context to which this issue is. And whether the government does it or not, we are not going to be able to succeed. But more important, let's go back to what I said. Can there be economic growth without development? Yes, because what happens is what are the driving forces that are driving the economy and how does the opportunity get dispersed among the capability? It happens. After 1994, the best beneficiary of Mandela Miracle are the super rich. The economy opened, the opportunity opened, and there was no any aspect of saying, let's try to redress the challenges that we, we've been living around for a very long time. While I understand, yes, the government ought to be able to address or work around this, but we cannot say ESCOM issue is the cause of inequality. That would be stupid. It's, we cannot also say the problem of inequality is because we are having an, in, an inefficient education. That is a small element of the bigger picture. Because structure means, let's go back to understand what happened to the base. Listen to this. We need also to ask people, there is a hell of a difference between income generation and wealth generation. We have, in South African context, decided that when we pay people salaries and they have income, they spend, that's wealth. That's not wealth. We have had institutions whereby, like I said, we don't care about the pension for people. We don't care the pension for the workers. 
and the majority of the people we don't care for are the, the people who are more, and now they are the one we are seeing, the numbers is such, so bad, because they carry 40% of the population. Listen to this. In Africa, all of Africa, 10% of the top rich control 50% or more of the economy of respective country, including South Africa. 50% of the bottom of the tire control 10%. We are not going to say that this needs to be looked by a government change, this ESCOM do that. We need to be more pragmatic and ask what are the structural challenges we need and we need to address them. And, of course, what that all points to is the fact that we cannot wait another day in order to rectify the situation. So what needs to be done when it comes to um, uh, policy issues? You know, uh, what should be done and and what sort of policy recommendations need to be made in order to push us forward? Look, it is upon each one of us. I, I, uh, I I teach economics and I'm a businessman. And I keep on telling to people, I'm not driven in creating job, like I'm driven to creating job that to make sure every person in that company has a pension fund, medicoid, and I'll struggle so much before I put my interest first. Now, the problem is, one is trying very hard, and the challenge is not withstanding, but all I'm emphasizing is that let's not pinpoint government, government, government. Government in all over the world, the most they control is 30, 35%. 60, 70% is in the private sector. But we have a private sector that believes that living the luxury life of five, I don't know what home you have. Listen, the greatest risk of what we are talking about is not to be born more by the poor, it's the rich. At stake is the interest of the rich to say, if this system collapses, we are the ones who are going to be hit the most. The poor have very little to do. Yes, I used to hear that we're going to relocate to the U.S., we're going to relocate to Canada. It's not better in Canada. It's not better anywhere else. The issue of inequality is a global issue. But we've started to find a lot of economists saying, look, 15, 15, 20 years ago, we started talking about inequality as the greatest threat to any democracy worldwide. Everybody knows that. Professors are saying, there is this professor from, from, from France who has said correctly, there is a huge disjoint between economic growth and wealth accumulation. And wealth accumulation has taken over for those who are privileged to accumulate it because they can foresee or, or literally focus what's about to happen. These are facts we can't debate with. What we need today is don't pinpoint, ask, what do we do? Because it's a collective. If we say we are going to blame the government, we're going to blame the private sector. No. The issue is, at heart, majority of the people who can vote everybody out are saying, enough is enough. Do we avoid it or do we wait until the last date for us to collapse? I don't know. David Wood? Yes. So how can I fix this problem? I, I do not disagree. We have a huge income disparity in South Africa, and it's a global thing as well. I and I know that we have very, very high levels of unemployment and very high levels of poverty, and I know all these sort of things. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, we've got two answers to this. The one answer is uh, we take from the rich and we give to the poor. That's one answer. And the other answer is we do something else, and I'll get to do something else. Now let's look at the first one, taking from the rich, and let's call it by its name. It's take from the rich and give to the poor. Are we doing that in South Africa? And the answer is, in fact, South Africa is one of the most, if not the most successful country in the world to use the fiscus to redistribute. Now, the, the bulk of taxes in South Africa, just about, or not, not all the taxes, poor people pay taxes as well, but the bulk of taxes in South Africa are paid by the so-called rich. Uh, just about, 
But just about all the wealth creation in South Africa is by the private sector. It's not by the state. The state is a wealth destroyer. So the, the, the wealthy or the better off people in South Africa pay the bulk of the taxes. So if you, if you, if you ask the question, who's paying, paying the taxes, the answer to that is, and I can prove that to you, it's mostly the better off. The other question is, who's getting the benefit? Where is this money going to? Who is, who, on who is this money being spent? And I've already mentioned that the bulk of the most important expenditure for the Minister of Finance is on, on education, and that's spent mostly on poor people. Then we have a number of other uh, social expenditure items, like, for example, the grants. Today we have an excess of 16 million people receiving grants. I'm not against this. I'm just mentioning the number, and there's always a, a, an economic and a financial reality. So more than 16 million people receiving grants and 14 million people with actual jobs in South Africa. I have calculated the redistributional impact of, of, of the fiscus in South Africa. It is massive. And you can read the IMF report. They agree with this. South Africa is exceptionally successful in redistributing income. So that box, with, box without a doubt, has been ticked. We take from the rich and we give to the poor, and we do it in a huge, in a huge way. So there is no doubt about that. And it doesn't make sense to argue for even more of that because we are already damaging the economy because of the massive redistribution. That brings me by my second point: Are there other things that we can do? to improve um, the lives of the poor and the unemployed in South Africa. And without a doubt, and we don't put enough emphasis on this, and I want to scream it off the mountaintops, we need to improve the skills of the poor in South Africa. Many poor people, in fact, the majority of poor people, are unemployable in the modern economy. Despite the fact that we spend massive amounts on education, the quality is terrible. I said it is sometimes the worst in the world. We are sometimes... Stone last in the world. How can I put more emphasis on this? Countries like, for example, Mozambique is doing better than us. It is a disaster, education in South Africa. So we're preventing people from participating in the economy because they do not have skills. Apart from that, we've got all sort of silly legislation in South Africa preventing people from actually getting jobs. Now, the only way that you can eventually make a better future for yourself and for your family is to participate in the labor market, to participate in the economy. If there are laws that are preventing you from doing this, then how on earth are you going to become wealthy and are you going to become employed? So the first question on whether we take from the rich and give to the poor, that is a, without a doubt a yes Go and ask the International Monetary Fund. The second one, what do we do to, to support the poor, to make it easier for them to get a proper life over time? We mm. certainly are failing the poor there, and that's where the emphasis must be now.